It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hook em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. The weekend of all weekends for sports and certainly football. Just sprinkle a little baseball in there as well. Not just a little baseball. The most important games of the baseball season get ratcheted up tomorrow, including the Angels, the Rangers, and Astros. Go Strohs! Go Strohs, yeah. Justin Verlander for the game uh, one start. Framber Valdez, game two. Astros trying to turn their fates at home. They've been a lousy home team this year, especially the last couple of months. I mean, they weren't bad at home all year. It's really that, been the last. They're uh, villains. They, the villains don't like to be loved at home. Y'all love on them and tell them how great they are and praise them. No, boo them. If you're going to the Houston game tomorrow, yeah, boo them. They're villains. When they go on the road, people hate them, giving them the boo. middle finger. They're like, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. Boo Altuve every time. Boo them. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. They've talked about batter's eyes and things of that nature. Rangers, meanwhile, playing that uh, that really good Orioles team. But the one thing I'll say about the Rangers, they have a lot more experience than the Orioles. I know they haven't been in the playoffs since 2016, but guys like Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, certainly Bruce Bochy, the manager, mm-hmm. been there many, many times. And um, you know, but they're going to face a really tough right-hander tomorrow. Kyle Bradish is a big part of why they're as good as they are. The young, the youngster, uh, well, he's twenty-seven now, but he's one of their their top guys, and he is a tough, tough dude uh, to deal with. Kyle Bradish, um, their starting pitcher against Dane Dunning, who's been a clutch performer for them. So uh, we'll get some what's popping picks for the uh, before we go. It'll be pretty cool to see Carlos Correa back in uh, Houston uh, as a member would, of the Twins. It's a nice storyline. Whoever had won that series, it was either going to be Correa or George Springer <laughs> coming into Houston, whether whether it be Toronto or Minnesota. Uh, but they draw the Twins, who they hadn't won a playoff game. Game Rod. Since 2004, before they won two in a row. That was wild. 18 straight losses. Not just like series losses, game losses. Mm-hmm. Misery. And uh, they, they got up over that hump, so it'll be Verlander against Joe Ryan. And those games are going on right during the middle of the, in the heart of the football. The Rangers will be at noon. The Astros are 345, so probably have to set up a second TV or have a plan because uh, the Longhorns will be playing the Sooners at 11, and the mm. Aggies will be playing Alabama at 230. Mm. And uh, just good games all day. It's just, man. It is. This is all weekend. It's all weekend. It's not just uh, all From day. From 8.30 in the morning on Sunday with the Jacksonville-Buffalo yeah, game man. through the Cowboys on Sunday. Plus, the, the Astros and Rangers are both playing game twos on Sunday. Uh, Rangers will play middle of the afternoon. Astros will play mm-hmm. the night game on Sunday. So, yeah, man, it's it's uh, lock-in. Sportsgasm. Sportsgasm of a weekend. It Beautiful certainly thing. is. Mm-hmm. The sportsgasm. Enjoy it. Always, uh, those are always good. Those are, <laughs> those are always good. Um, I, I, but I, I got to say this. Uh, we'll get into breaking down some more of the Cowboys and the 49ers. I got into how the the, the reason the Cowboys match up well with the 49ers is because the Cowboys can pressure the opposing quarterback. Brock Purdy looks pedestrian, like most quarterbacks do, under pressure. And that's going to be the key for the Cowboys. Can they, can they stop the running game long enough, or can they – neutralize the running game? Can they contain it long enough to force Brock Purdy into some predictable passing situations and that way you can get Micah Parsons and that Cowboys uh, pass rush to tee off? Because if the, the, the 49ers are able to run the football, 
when they want to run it, it's going to be a long day for the Cowboys because the, that the one weakness, I don't know if it's even a weakness, I'll say one way to exploit and attack the Cowboys defense is to run the football on them and to run the football at Micah. And that way, Micah's not a pass-rushing phenom. He's, he's, a run, he's a run-stopping liability. And, <laughs> and he's not 100%. I mean, he's going to play in this That's game, too. but he's a little gimpy. Bang on him. And so's Debo. Debo Samuel won't be 100% in this game. Uh, but, of course, they have Brandon Ayuk. And that, look, this is... They got other weapons. I, I feel like everything <laughs> the Cowboys want to be is what the 49ers already are at this point as far as... And they haven't gotten that Super Bowl because of injuries, right? They've had the quarterback derailment. They have mm-hmm. they were in the Super Bowl a few years ago and then came up short against the Chiefs. Channels come up short, period, a couple of times. You know, no see. Yeah. But, but the Cowboys haven't even gotten that far, right? And the 49ers have established themselves as the team to beat in the NFC. Eagles are right there, too, and they play a big game with the Rams tomorrow in L.A. Or Sunday, I should say. But, I mean, when I say look, we know what the Niners are, they have an elite running back. They want the, the Cowboys would like Tony Pollard to be a lot like Christian McCaffrey, the way they mm-hmm. use him and run the ball, that outside stuff, and a lot of, uh, you know, in the passing game be a big factor. Uh, and they really haven't needed him to. They needed him to against the Cardinals, <laughs> the game that they lost. But, um, but you know, when you look at the, the Niners, they're, 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 mm. they're made dudes, right? Christian yeah. McCaffrey's a dude. Debo's a dude. Um, now but, Brandon Ayuk is emerging. George yeah. Kittle. This offensive line. And, you know, you can say what you want about Brock Purdy, but the numbers don't lie. This guy's been sensational since taking the reins of that that system. Their defense is is, is rock solid. Best D-line outside of the Cowboys and maybe all of football. And, look, that's what the Cowboys want to be. They want to be a better defense than the Niners. They want to be an offense that can, you know, present a lot of different challenges to you with their run game. And then, you know, C.D. Lamb and, and Brandon Cooks now joining Michael Gallup. We just we haven't seen the offense for the Cowboys click like we've seen the Niners click. Yeah, and, that, and that's right gonna be a challenge. That. The 49ers, uh only NFL team to score thirty or more points in every game this season. First time for that organization, which is a proud and successful one, that they've had a team score thirty or more points in four straight games to start the season since nineteen forty eight. That means Bill Walsh's West Coast offense didn't even do it. Steve Young didn't do it. That offense is clicking early on, and that'll be the task for the Dallas Cowboys try to figure out a way to frustrate that offense, which yeah. nobody's really been able to do so far. Right. I think the Cowboys defense can do it, though, and it's, it's going to come down to pressure and their ability to pressure the opposing quarterback. And at one point, when you're a defense, I think the defense is going to keep them in the game. Dak Prescott's got to go win the game. Make a play. You're going, you're going to need big Dak energy for him to go out there and make, like you said, make a play. And it, it may not even, you know, it's, it's not necessarily going to be a schematic advantage or a play that's schemed up. It's going to be just Dak going out there and being able to move the chains or get the first down or make a throw. He's got to put his cape on at one point. 49 is going to force you to do that as an opposing quarterback. Put your cape on and beat them. And we'll see if Dak can put the cape on and have some of that big Dak energy we talked about. Small Dak energy, you're going to get beat. All right. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, they need him to uh, be really good tomorrow, and he's got his weapons. That they should be fully healthy. The offensive line will be as healthy as it's been. They, they believe so. Yeah, I can't wait for that game Sunday. And unfortunately, that's the got to wait all weekend. That's the last one. It's all right. Um, it's worth it. Plenty between now and then, mm-hmm. though, including the Longhorns and Sooners tomorrow. Um, this says Cowboys also had an injury, but doesn't count. That's Pollard. Okay, this says uh, that's true. And, it, and their and their offense looked very different. When Tony Pollard was out versus the 49ers. And I don't know what the, what the status is on Rico Dowdle, too, their backup running back. I mean, he's explosive. Oh, man, he's, he's been really, really good, good so far. Uh, uh, yeah, but that, that goes back to the Cowboys all offseason long. That's where we all were preaching. Cowboys, go get 
options at running back. Go get a contingency plan. Tony Pollard's coming off an injury. You never know. So it wasn't Tony Pollard's dealing with. He's been great so far with the usage rates and the load they've been putting on him. But if Rico Dowell is hurt and now you're kind of losing that one-two punch, uh, maybe Deuce Vaughn is the guy that steps up Deuce. in this game. Right? Yeah. Haven't seen much of Deuce so far this Deuce year. Deuce is loose. Well, um, and obviously the chess match, McCarthy v. You know the who's running the defense now for the. Uh, oh, I should know this. Ra- oh, uh, Raheem Morris. Yeah. Raheem Morris. No, no, no. That's with the. No, that's with the Rams. Okay, that is. It's I oh, it's Steve Wilkes. Steve, Steve Wilkes. Wilkes. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. Hey, by the way, next hour we're going to talk to uh, someone you know very well, Cole, to preview this game. He was out in San Francisco. You former. You, you used mm. to live in San Francisco, correct? Yeah, that's where I started my radio career. Okay, and so you've mm. got somebody coming on from Frisco. And by the way, do they hate it when people call it Frisco out there? Uh, yeah, Frisco Probably. or San Fran. They don't like? No, it's like nails on a chalkboard to really? us. Really? Oh, yeah, it's the worst. Good Why? to know. It's, it's, like it's a lot shorter than San Francisco. That's like when we say Saytown. Oh. People say you'll hate that. You're yeah, like, no. shut up. We can't say H-Town? H-Town, but H-town. not Saytown. Like, S-A-Town, they don't think San Antonio. They don't even like San Fran? I understood the Frisco thing, I think. That's right. I always call it San Fran. You're right. I don't, yeah, I guess. I mean, I get, like, it's not, it doesn't bother me, but some people are like, oh. Can I call it the, the Bay? All right, so who the Bay, are the Bay's good, yeah. The Bay's, Bay's good. good. Who okay. are we talking to next hour? Daryl the Guru Johnson. The Guru! And he's a radio host out there. Actually, yes, I've, I've heard of him independently of you, because he's, he's, he's good, actually. The Guru. Yeah. Yeah. He knows the stuff. First guy I ever produced. Nice. Nice. I like that. There we go. So, yeah, Cole Dixon is here. Ty, if you're wondering, Ty's out with the flu and a sinus infection. He's gotten the double whammy. I don't know how the hell that happened. Flu and sinus infections. Because yeah, we were trying to figure out, Ty, are you going to have COVID or something? Because he, he, he was like dizzy. Yeah, stomach issues. Stomach was hurting. He had, yeah. So, flu, and that would lead to the stomach, a little bug, and then a sinus infection on top of it. So, uh, yeah, Ty doesn't take Because he lives a very healthy lifestyle. Between the the bar hopping and the late night the all nighters, uh, <laughs> and the what is he called? What's the shot at uh, Mockingbird? What's the one that <laughs> I forgot what it's called? The the one you, you memory wipe or oh yeah memory oh, eraser no. the memory eraser <laughs> mind eraser the mind eraser shot the uh, the drinks yeah, that Ty he takes. is twenty five <laughs> but he still acts like he's eighteen. Sometimes. I'm surprised we don't have a Don's Depot or Deep Eddie Cabaret spot yet. No, we need one. Oh yeah, he hangs out at Deep Eddie a lot too. Kicks it there. Well, and, you know, Mind Eraser. It's like Norm at Cheers. Remember when we were doing the pregame at Mockingbird Saloon downtown, mm-hmm. Rod? And oh, yeah. He had a Mind Eraser at, like, noon. I was like, dude, it's noon. <laughs> he, he raced the mind. You hey. your mind at noon. The game hadn't even happened yet. I will say the game was, like, two hours away. I know. So before game time, it's how you pregame when you're twenty when you're in 20s. You are in your, what, 50s now? I'm 50. Yeah, see, exactly. I'm in my 40s. We can't pregame like that. No, our pregame, well, I like our pregame is a couple of Bud Lights. That's a pregame. We may take, I may take yeah. a shot of tequila. Well, Maybe. And, 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 you know, since I've been in, I mean, I've always just covered UT games, so I have never done the real big tailgate Yeah, so you thing. can't party like that. No. Yeah, exactly. Have a, yeah. have a Bud Light or two, but, yeah, then you got to go cover the game. I can't get mind erased. <laughs> I can't. You, know, you can't have the mind eraser. I got to tell you, when I read mind eraser, that's how you know you got to be in your 20s because that attracts people in their 20s. Like, ooh, mind eraser. That sounds interesting. And I'm 40, so I'm like, mind eraser? Oh, hell no. I don't need to erase my mind at all. I'm trying to get back more thoughts that I I've know, lost. It's like all my dudes on the golf course. Somebody <laughs> makes a birdie and everybody's got to take a, uh, a go- what is it, the uh, the fireball shot? Oh, yeah, the and fireball. I'm like, well, no, you guys don't. You, do you want me to make any more birdies? What are we doing here? <laughs> I don't need a birdie shot. I need more birdies. Oh, I birdie can't be shot. making birdies with, with these shots yeah. you're giving me. Yeah, a pickle me. shot, though, when you're golfing, that's what I do. Because pickle juice rehydrates you. Ah, so that's true. Evens out. But I've then, trust like me, his, 
his people ain't gonna ha- ain't gonna go for that. Pickle shots? No, I'm talking about yeah, they want you to take actual shots of liquor. Trying yeah, to go out there have a good time. Like, like fireballs. Didn't they just have to like change the ingredients <laughs> of fireball because it had something like terrible? Antifreeze in it? or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like antifreeze in it. <laughs> Did they really do that? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I'll look it up real quick. Oh sure. man, really? Uh, yeah. But, I know they made like a, a version that's a little I guess based like a a, a a gas station friendly version where it's not the alcohol, it's like back a on weird, the gas station. Yeah, right it's like you don't have to have it in like a liquor store. I thought they made one of those versions of Fireball weird. whiskey flavored with uh, Canadian whiskey sweetener and cinnamon flavoring. Mm. It says here. Mm-mm. But I think they're in some hot water about something hey, they put in it. That's why you should just drink hot cat tequila. Hot cat hot tequila. Cat Let's get to Rod's rant. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. No, oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's get into that. Uh, the 49ers in the Cowboys game just a little bit. Um, the 49ers, for those who haven't been keeping up, but by now you know if you've listened to me talk, because I want the 49ers are one of the teams I follow. I, I, I follow the NFL, period. Love the NFL. Um, Texans are my team. Cowboys, I have to follow a lot of Cowboys just because they're the number one TV star on the number one TV show in America. And down here, we talk a lot of Cowboys. So I follow a lot of Cowboys and talk a lot of Cowboys. But the 49ers are probably the third team that I'm most invested in just because one of my closest friends is the head coach. So I watch a lot of 49er football and game systems, but matchups like this, it's you know, it's nice to be able to bring those worlds together and break down some uh, some some Texas, sorry, some um, Cowboys and some 49ers uh, football for you guys. The 49ers are probably the most unique offense in the league for a lot of different reasons, um, not only because of the play caller, but because they are a Frankenstein monster of multiplicity, right? a, a multifunctional, multidimensional uh, amalgamation of malleable machinery. That's what they are, right? It, Easy they, for you to say. Yeah, they are the they are the pinnacle of the proof of concept for positionless football. Um, and with the addition of Christian McCaffrey, they basically they are the forty. They are, 49ers offense is the NFL's version of a Rubik's cube that you have to solve. And there are all these millions of of different uh, you know iterations and combinations that they can throw at you. And that was the whole point of Shano going out of his way to acquire Christian McCaffrey. Most teams going out of their way to acquire, you know, the franchise quarterback that can be the last piece or the most pivotal piece of that system for him. It actually was the running back, which does fit that Shanahan blocking scheme, the zone blocking scheme that he inherited from from his dad. So the, the running the running game for them, that is the identity of the offense. There is no question about it. And for the Cowboys, that is what they do have to stop initially. Like if you want to be able to pressure Brock Purdy and put and be able to expose Brock Purdy, and I think they can do that, right? They can turn him into just an average pedestrian quarterback. But if you want to do that, first thing you got to do is shut down that run game. There's nothing average or pedestrian about it, and that actually may be one of the ways that you can attack. We saw the Arizona Cardinals attack the Dallas defense, and they did it by running the football. And you also stay away from, you know, what is the most I would say the opportunistic. 
uh, part of the Cowboys defense, which is their secondary. They even without Trevon Diggs, even with Deron Bland now too, they force a lot of turnovers. They get a lot of takeaways, and a lot of it is the confusion and chaos they cause. Even Shannon talked about this when he was asked about what makes Dan Quinn's defense so good. He said they create chaos and confusion, and they do it at every level. More twists and stunts up front on the D line than any other defense in the league. They have more safety rotations of those three safeties they play, which they play more three safeties than anybody in the league. But they also rotate in those safeties post and pre-snap as much as anybody in the league. And before they lost Trevon Diggs, and maybe they'll do it now with Deron Bland, they played a lot of bump and run coverage. All of those concepts, all of those techniques meant to cause and create chaos. The, the twists and stunts up front, you want to confuse the pass protection. You want to play bump and run outside to, to reroute wide receivers and throw off the timing in the passing game. You want to rotate your safeties pre and post snap a lot to make sure that quarterbacks, have none of the, the pre-snap picture doesn't match up with the post-snap picture, and they got to diagnose everything post-snap. All of this is designed uh, intricately and deliberately to force teams into making mistakes, whether it be the RPO game and they miscount the numbers in the box and they hand off uh, to a, a numbers disadvantage or they throw into a numbers disadvantage with the RPOs. Uh, maybe sometimes you get a fumble snap because the quarterback's thinking, oh, I thought I was going to hand off and now I'm not, and then there's a miscommunication there. Or the quarterback sees the wrong thing with the rotation pre and post snap and then throws into the wrong window. You get an interception. All of it is meant to create turnovers, which is why the Cowboys have led the NFL in takeaways the last two years, and they're leading the NFL in takeaways right now, and the only team to lead the NFL in takeaways uh, in three straight years is the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steel Curtain Pittsburgh Steelers of the mid to late 70s. And that's what the Cowboys are trying to do. And they, if they do that versus the 49ers, then, we, then I think the Cowboys have a real shot of pulling the upset. And if you stop that run game, though, that's when you can get after Brock Purdy. I'll give these numbers. I gave them earlier. The Cowboys now are blitzing at a top 10 rate in the NFL, damn near 30% uh, rate, which is really good for them. That's up from 2022 20, 20, when they were at 25%. Brock Purdy, when he's got a clean pocket, he leads the NFL in all of these categories. In a clean pocket, 84% completion percentage. Uh, with no blitz, 83% completion percentage. Uh, with a clean pocket, passer rating, 125.1. With a clean pocket, passer rating without a blitz, 124.8. You cannot afford to have Brock Purdy playing like the best quarterback in the league. You put pressure on him and you blitz him. Here's where the numbers change. 48% completion percentage when he's under pressure. That's 17th in the league. 84 passer rating under pressure. 12th in the league. 62 completion 62% completion percentage when blitz, 15th in the league, 101.7 passer rating when blitz, that's 10th in the league. That is the key. All Cowboys fans, stop the run so you can pressure Brock Purdy and pressure him at all costs. The quarterback must go down, and he must go down early and often. If he doesn't, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, that's been the Cowboys mantra. Let's see Brock Purdy against this defense. And But, you know, Brock Purdy has passed all tests so far. Uh, he has oh, yeah. been phenomenal. He has but been great. But he did get hurt in that Eagles game, right? They got great pressure on him. Eagles have a great pressure team and a great pressure front, uh, much like the Cowboys, and uh, this will be one of his stiffest tests. Now, the fact that it's in San Francisco should help. They're playing on grass, which might just slow the Cowboys down a little bit. But, of course, the Cowboys just played on that field last January and lost in the playoffs 19-12. to mm, good. Cowboys managed. I'll say this: if the if the Cowboys don't score more than twelve points, they won't win. Don't matter. Yeah, because you got to right now the number is thirty. Now I'm gonna say going up against the Cowboys defense, that number won't be thirty. I'll drop it down and say the Cowboys defense can hold them to a touchdown less than what they're scoring on average. Still means you got to score about twenty four points. Yep. 
You ain't scoring 12, 24. 12 ain't doing it. 12, 12 ain't doing it. And here is the one factor nobody oh. can quantify. We have no idea how much of an impact it's going to have, and that's Trey Lance. Not on the field, but what you can extract from Trey Lance's knowledge of that 49er offense. He's got a ton of knowledge because they thought he was going to be the franchise quarterback, so they gave him the keys to the kingdom. They gave him all the secrets. Now, could he absorb it all? Probably not. <laughs> not in the way they yep. wanted, but there is knowledge there about the that offense because he had some intimate knowledge, and he had Shano breaking it down for him. So how much of that can he give to the Cowboys? And in the chess match within the game, if Shanahan anticipates that he is going to give you certain tendencies, he's going to give you certain uh, habits of this offense, can he use that against the Cowboys and use it as misinformation, essentially? That's yeah. also the chess that, match of the yeah. game. And again, they lost in the playoffs in January <laughs> the year previous, and they scored 17 points, the Cowboys. They're going to need to crack 20, I think, to win this game. Um, can they? We'll see. Now, look, their defense has been scoring points. I mean, the Cowboys' yeah. defense this year is outscoring like wide receivers in fantasy football. They're, they're mm-hmm. putting up big numbers. Big numbers. Two, two defensive touchdowns against the Giants, two more against the Patriots last week. I mean, they're they're putting up huge numbers. By the way, Rod, a couple of other NFL notes. We mentioned that Cooper Cup's coming back for the Rams mm-hmm. and their showdown with the Eagles. Jonathan Taylor likely to play for the Colts tomorrow or Sunday when the Colts play the Titans in a big AFC South game. Uh, and I, you mentioned the numbers for the Cowboys, how good their defense is. It's, it's legit. How about this? You know, the Buffalo Bills will play Jacksonville Sunday morning, our time, when they're mm-hmm. in London. The, the Buffalo Bills, entering week five, lead the NFL in completion percentage allowed, red zone passing touchdowns allowed, scoring drives percentage, total takeaways, interceptions, sacks, hits, and defensive penalties. That's crazy. So, And you know what the, the, the interesting nugget about that is? Sean McDermott has taken over the defensive play calling now. Mm-hmm. Leslie Frazier has retired, and Sean McDermott – uh, has taken it back, and he was one of the best at that before he became the head coach and handed it off. Their defense is playing in a, at an elite level. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on Buffalo. I'm keeping an eye on the Cowboys. Obviously, Niners, Eagles, Rams, all big games this weekend. And those defenses, if 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 Sean McDermott's defense and they get the addition of Von Miller back. That's crazy. That they had been doing this without Von Miller. At some point here, and they keep playing to that. I mean, yes, Josh Allen has to be more careful with the football, but they're going to be really tough, uh, really tough in the AFC. If they, because because that that that's better defense than the Chiefs play. That they just beat the Dolphins by you know thirty eight twenty or yeah twenty eight points or th- yeah twenty eight points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're pretty damn good, and they'll they play Jacksonville. Good. And by the way, the Jacksonville offense has been struggling. Yeah, I don't know how that is the case because they added Calvin Ridley, and now they're worse than they were I, at the end of last season. They just don't run the ball at all, and they're healthy. They don't have any big time injuries either. Yeah, I mean Houston went in there and shut them down. The Chiefs shut him down. They played last week. They beat the Falcons last week, but their offense was by no means dynamic. They just played great defense on Desmond Ritter. Now they get Josh Allen and the Bills in London. Do you have to play great defense on Desmond Ritter? Probably not. <laughs> Bubba Average will get it done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if you need great defense against Desmond Ritter. No, but yeah, maybe against Bijan. Cowboys will need great defense against the Niners. Longhorns will need great defense yes, against those Sooners will. tomorrow. We'll talk mm. about it. How good is Dylan Gabriel? And uh, we'll break down how the Longhorns can attack that. Plus, before the end of the hour, fun round of Who Said That? Who Said That? On a Friday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers. Austin, Texas. Sports. The Horn. What a weekend we've got. What a game tomorrow. Texas and Oklahoma. Obviously the biggest test for Oklahoma of their year. It's the biggest test for Texas since Alabama. But how big of a test is it compared to that is an interesting question. Clearly this is the best quarterback they've played, Rod. We've talked about it all week long. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, his knowledge, his understanding of this system is as good as any, as you said, in college football. He was uh, in this same system at Central Florida for the first few years of his career now here at Oklahoma. And he's a gamer, man. He's a tough dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he plays with a lot of energy and passion. He's the absolute leader of that offense. His problem, unlike Quinn Ewers, is he doesn't have a, a, a bell cow running back to turn and hand the ball to. Uh, he's got receivers, but they almost use their short passing game as their running game, Rod. And you wonder if Texas can t- take advantage of that. I mean, short passes, but then also the deep balls that come off of that when you get, get sucked up a little bit. Uh, really like Texas. And I also, when I'm looking at this Texas offense against the Oklahoma defense, Rod, mm-hmm. or, or excuse me, the Texas defense against Oklahoma offense, okay. I mentioned Jalen Catalan's my pick. Because I think, you know, if you go back to the Alabama game, he had the, uh, the led the team in tackles with seven. I think you're going to see a lot of Jalen Catalan in this game. What about Anthony Hill? This is a game where Anthony Hill in his, uh, in his freshman year, we saw him have a huge impact in the Alabama game off the edge and making plays. You know, because we hear a lot about Brett Venables and all the defensive schemes he has. Pete Kwiatkowski's got something up his sleeve too. Uh, BK yeah. and this staff are going to have some things for so Oklahoma. I, I agree with that. Um, like I guess I just think for for Texas, the game plan on both sides of the ball, there are a lot there are a lot different things that could work for Texas, and there are a lot of ways for Texas to win the game. I think there are uh, many different paths to victory for Texas, and they are wide, <laughs> uh, divergent paths. Um, for Oklahoma, I just think the ways for them to win, they are very narrow paths to victory and very few of those narrow paths to victory. And the main one, at least all of them, have to have Dylan Gabriel playing one of his best games he's ever played. Yep. And he's got to do that going up against one of the best defenses in college football. Now, that defense has not seen a quarterback that is as competent and is as uh, familiar familiar and comfortable in their system and has the honestly I may not have have a team that's had the weapons that Oklahoma has because the wide receivers I mean they're comparable if not better than Alabama's wide receivers Alabama's wide receivers aren't anything special I I would call it a push I think Jermaine Burton's a real good player yeah it just depends on what you value I think they're better deep threats than Alabama's wide receivers well because that offense is is emphasizes that right Mm. I mean that's really what they want to do is stress you um, with the with the spread and um, spread you out and then create those seams and you know use speed to attack the seams. They're a faster team, there's no doubt. Uh, this game will not be 49 to nothing. I don't think there's yeah. any doubt about this. This will be a hard-fought game. This will be a good game. But they can't run the ball consistently. That's the question because they haven't been able to run the ball really well all year. They're averaging less than four yards per carry. There's no reason to think, logically, they're going to go into the game against the best rush defense they've faced, one of the best rush defenses in the league, the best rush defense in the Big 12, and all of a sudden they're going to run the football in this game. We have seen freaky things like that happen. I just don't see that happening, which means even more pressure on Dylan Gabriel and that passing game to support the entire accurate. scheme. I mean, yeah. um, and, it, you know, it, it's 
if any, if you can make any offense one dimensional, you have a huge opportunity, especially with the athletes, Texas. And that's why I wonder. Then Anthony Hill goes off. That's, that's, that's right. Then, that's right. When they shut down the run game, then you put him on the edge. That's and, where an Anthony Hill can yeah. be moved all over the field and play some Micah Parsons kind of ball, right? There you go. And just be that that speed guy that can get to the quarterback uh, and make plays. Because if Ethan, you know, I think Jerry Hamilton pointed out, Ethan Burke's playing with a bit of a knee. He's got a, a brace on that, so he isn't going to be as explosive. This could be Anthony Hill's game because you know you're going to get. Because here's the other part. Oklahoma's best strength of their offensive line are the tackles. Mm-hmm. They're not as good on the interior, which means Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, and that crew should really get after it. Uh, but you could you bring Anthony Hill with some middle blitzes? Could you bring Anthony Hill from different places? Because you, could. you don't always have to come from the outside. You can. But uh, we saw him in that Oklahoma, that Alabama game. He really became the exclamation point for the Texas defense. He and Ethan Burke off the edge. Uh, when Jalen Milrow mm-hmm. is getting rattled, once you built the lead, those two guys were able to get home. You wonder if that's the same in this game because Dylan Gabriel can run, but he's not going too fast, too far. He's not as he's not the athlete Jalen Milrow was. No, but he can run. They use him in the red zone. He has functional mobility. I think in this game he will be encouraged to run, and they probably will have a couple of design runs for him. Quarterback draw, stuff like that, where Texas will turn their back on him. Texas is not going to keep a spy in for Dylan Gabriel. We don't think if they do. That's really good for Dylan Gabriel. That is one less well, guy remember, in, in coverage. So I think they'll they'll leave him open and hope Texas is disciplined their pass rush lanes. Um, and I think every now and then you'll see Dylan Gabriel scamper for a couple of yards and get some first downs. Yeah, keep the chains alive, keep the chains moving. That's going to yep. be important for them because they, they'd like to shorten this game. They'd like to make Texas kick field goals, not score touchdowns, not give up the explosives, and then be able to control the ball on their own side. That's big. Uh, and But even against Oklahoma, if you remember, against Alabama, Anthony Hill would line up with his hand on the ground, and then he'd stand up, and mm-hmm. he became the spy, right? He became the guy to keep an eye on Milrow, and if Milrow was in the pocket, he'd go get him, and if he you know was, was taken off, he'd be the guy to try to chase him down, use that speed. Uh, that could be a factor in this game. I just think, I don't know, he'd keep Jalen Catalan, because of his knowledge of this offense, and his just ball hawking, you know, freight train ability. Uh, he and Jade Barron, and then I think Anthony Hill might have himself a. I like that idea. Couple of big plays in this game. Yeah. He's a Dallas kid. One of, as Jerry pointed out to us, one of what the six Denton Ryan players on this team. It's crazy. Yeah, Sark finds a pipeline. He taps into it. He well, Oklahoma's <laughs> got two or three too, right? Yeah, they, they, I mean that that thing's a pipeline. It should be for every program that recruits the state of Texas at a heavy at a really high rate. Uh, we'll throw this out there too, and shout out to uh, Tyler McCombs who came on yesterday to uh, give us some insight on the Oklahoma side. That 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 report he had about Jackson Arnold, I went back and watched some film on it. They have used him in that quarterback power package a couple of times at SMU. That's when they used him. Now it was short yardage, and it was basically trying to get get the first down, and that was it. But if they watched any of that op- that any of that Kansas game, and Kansas ran the triple option, caught Texas off guard, got multiple explosive plays off running the triple option, and they ran it uh, at guys like. Dave, wherever David Bender was toward his side, uh, toward some of those other guys, I think you'll see them try to run that triple option that potentially with Jackson Arnold. Uh, he also said they used him at wide receiver at a package or two, trying for a double pass, and that was against Tulsa. So they, they've been cultivating a package. Why not use the five-star quarterback if he's got a little dual threat ability? That way you don't put um, you know Dylan Gabriel in harm's way, but you're still able to exploit what was an obvious weakness for Texas versus Kansas. They just could not figure out the triple option. And the truth is, Kansas just stopped running it. They probably should have ran it more. 
They just kind of stopped. They tried to st- they, they, they tried to build on that concept. Texas did add, add another guy in the box to try to defend that. But if you're Oklahoma, you need to try to run it. And if you run it and Texas has another guy already in the box to stop it, you can build on that concept and have a really uh, developed passer like Jackson Arnold, five-star guy who can throw out of that triple option. Jason Bean can do, do that, really. All right, so Rod? I've, I've spent some time in Denton, Texas, the late recently because my daughter goes to school there in North Texas. Oh, nice! There you go. Can you? I mean, think about Denton. Denton, Texas is under 140,000 people. Think about this game. You've got like six dudes from Denton, Ryan. You've got uh, several guys from Denton, Geyer, including Jackson Arnold, the quarterback you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, that little that little town north of Dallas is populating the Texas OU game and schools all over the country. There's a lot of talent in Denton, Texas, including Jatavion Sanders, Anthony Hill Jr., Peyton Bowen. Uh, Billy Bowman. I mean, these guys are big time. Uh, and of course, Jackson Arnold is the future of the position at quarterback at Oklahoma. Uh, he's a really good player, five star. Yep. That's the future. When Dylan Gabriel finally moves on after his sixth year, Jackson Arnold will be the guy. Little old Denton. Little old Denton playing hey. a pivotal role in uh, the Red River rivalry, the Red River game tomorrow at uh, 11 o'clock. DFW. I mean, only, and uh, DFW is a huge area. The Metroplex oh, is, is gigantic. Sprawling. Uh, exactly. But um, Atlanta is the only other Metroplex, the only other uh, Metro area, I should say, in the country that produces NFL players at a higher rate than the DFW Metroplex area. So it, you're right. I mean, I think, this is, I think Denton's the 12th most populous city. In the DFW Metroplex, it's showing you how big the area is. That's like the twelfth most popular city, and you said what? That's one hundred thousand something. One hundred thirty-nine thousand people. Come on, man! And that's and the twelfth most <laughs> they got, in, the, in the Metroplex. Like, yeah. That's crazy. Well, and then of course, Dallas. The other thing Texas has done a great job of under Steve Sarkeesian <laughs> is attack South Dallas, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Dallas, South Oak Cliff, South Oak Dakota, Cliff, Soto, mm-hmm. um, you know, Duncanville. Uh, yes, that's the. Those are both the pipelines you're looking for, and the Longhorns have seen now Oklahoma because because you know Denton is closer to the north than say, it is to Austin. And that Bob Stoops said that too. He's like people think Oklahoma's going to fall off. Y'all uh-huh. don't know how well we recruit DFW, and you don't know how basically how prolific and how fertile of a recruiting ground DFW is. It is, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, because that, that was when uh, some national what Colin Cowherd and others said that Oklahoma could go the way of Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> well, like, Nebraska doesn't have DFW yeah, two and a half hours south. Yeah, that's exactly right. They have cornfields. <laughs> And that, Bob Stoops, that was like the first thing he said. He was like, they don't know about DFW. I've been tapping into that area for years, getting great players. Great players. <laughs> great players. Support uh, a program with that area. For sure, for sure. And they have. I mean, because mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't get a lot of guys from Oklahoma. They get all the best players in Oklahoma, which yeah. there's not a, a huge a number of, of yeah. those. But North Texas, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. They're all and, about it. Denton, for sure. And uh, we'll see that on display. <laughs> That's always fun. And remember, this is a Texas home game, so there'll be a Longhorn recruiting opportunity. If you missed that conversation we had with Jerry Hamilton last hour or two hours ago, really good stuff on who's coming and how important mm-hmm. it is to recruiting. And as he said, like 80 or 80, 90 percent of the recruits that are coming to this game are for the class of 2025 and 26. So this is for the long term. Longhorns are doing already doing a good job with their their class of uh, this this class, 2024. And we know that they've loaded up on talent. Uh, for sure. Loaded up. And you look at OU's trying to as well. I mean, they, they, they can't match Texas on the lines of scrimmage right now. And that's, you know, they're going to the SEC too. The Longhorns mm-hmm. have been building this thing under Steve Sarkeesian for three years with Bo Davis on defense and, and, you know, Kyle Flood on offense to be ready for the SEC. And they're, they're trending in a great direction for that with all the O-line and D-line recruits. Oklahoma's got to play there too. So they need to upgrade. 
Yeah, I think they're on their way to doing it. But, you know, just to tell you how much of a task it is to upgrade that roster to SEC caliber, SEC status. You know, right now, Sark has the biggest offensive line in the Big 12, the, the big humans. <laughs> they're gargantuan. And when he goes to SEC, I think he's going to drop down to like a third, a fourth. Yeah. Biggest O-line in the SEC. Well, even at Alabama was bigger. Exactly, right? It's just that's that's where that's where he got his big humans well, philosophy. And that's another part of why I think this game is in Texas' favor. And I'm I'm <laughs> with Ch- Chan Texas. I'm getting I'm I'm unnerved with all the confidence from the Longhorn fans. It's true. You don't want to be this confident in the rivalry game as most people feel like we are, but at the same time, look, the Longhorns went up against a better front at Alabama yes, on, on both sides. Yep. I mean, and they handled it. They were able to move the ball, protect mm-hmm. their quarterback. And, yes, Brett Venables is good with his schemes, but Nick Saban's pretty good, too. You know? He ain't bad. <laughs> he ain't bad. He ain't bad. So, he got to know some defense. They've, they've played against a defense that's, that's better than this, in my opinion. I guess the, the argument would be the devil's advocate to, for the, the, the fans that are paranoid, because, by the way, I'm paranoid, too. I'm nervous, oh, about, how paranoid. Not, I'm nervous about how not nervous I am. <laughs> right? That's uneasy. Uh, but – Sark knew Saban really well. There was a lot of familiarity with Saban, that staff, that system, that practice against Nick Saban, been in meetings with Nick Saban, Nick Saban giving him some of the keys to the kingdom. He Sark doesn't know Venables that as well. He doesn't know Venables that well. I think he's he's basically coached up against Venables one time, probably was last year. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know if they've ever actually coached up against each other in his Venable's time at Oklahoma and Clemson and then Sark's time at Alabama in, in the NFL because it was at different times when he was there. I think Sark was in the NFL when Bama played Clemson in those games and then when USC I played Oklahoma. I think there was the one year in 2016 when Sark was there as, a, as an analyst. And remember Lane Kiffin left? And okay. it was Sark that ran the offense in the bowl game. Okay, that may, that may be it then. Yep. Yeah, that may be it. And that's before he went to Atlanta. Yeah. That's and right. he went to Atlanta in that's 2017. Right. So it had, there had been many t- times where he's met up with Venables and had to call plays up against him. Just a couple, so it was less familiarity, so maybe Venables can surprise Sark. I, I, I think I'm it was sure, tough for Saban I'm Satan sure they've been spending him. a lot of time on blitz pickup this week because yeah. you, Venables was bringing it. Venables was bringing it from he, all he angles. Because uh, I, I think they know they can't just match up with Texas and stop them. They've got to get after it, force the ball on the ground, force some turnovers, force some negative plays. So get ready for the blitz. All right, we'll come back. When we do, get ready for who said that on a Friday. It took them up. Rod, it's uh, 945. And OU still sucks. Ooh, and they saying that. Who said it? Rod, I think you'll know this one. Can I play this for you? Uh, Let's one do of the it. greatest to ever do it, but uh, in his own words. Born and raised on the south side of Chicago. Growing up as, as the youngest of nine, I got involved in sports through my brothers uh, mostly. They all played uh, football and kind of a unique thing. We lived on a dead-end street right into Fernwood Park, so it was nothing for me to walk uh, you know, half a block or whatever, and I was, I was in dreamland for me because of the park was right there. The Chicago fans are a certain breed, and that's because they're, they're loyal and they're, they're smart. They know what the hell the game's about. So being a fan while I'm actually out there on the field and everything was emphasized when Gale, you know, scored six touchdowns. What was funny, it was a fan. I was hoping that he was going to get seven because I think we had the ball on the two-yard line and Hallis took him out and put John Ahmed in and John tripped across the goal line for which would have been Gale's seventh. 
I just became a fan after I played with uh, with the Bears. All right, there you go. Uh, I know that is Dick Butkus. Dick Butkus. The late, great Dick Butkus, who would basically would have been kicked out of the NFL if he played the game today like he played the game back then. Richard Marvin Butkus. Mm-hmm. That's why he's One so tough. He, they called him Dick. He was Dick Butkus his whole life. You imagine all the easy jokes that he got ridiculed with and thrown at him as a kid, and once he became the toughest mofo on the planet, he never had to deal with Dick well, Butkus jokes again. And it's an all-time legend story because kind of like, you know, like uh, down in Houston, Nolan Ryan, right, the Ryan Express from Alvin right there and grew up, you know, a Texas legend. And Dick Buck is the same way. He's from, he went to uh, Chicago Vocational High School. That's great. And, you know, and then to Illinois down in Champaign and then back to the Bears as the third pick of the draft and was just the ultimate intimidator and one of the greatest defensive players ever to play. Dick Butkus. And the thing they always said about Dick Butkus is when he was, I mean, he was 6'3 and 250. And back in those days, linebackers weren't that big. No, linemen weren't that big. Right. Think about it. He was bigger than most linemen. Yes. He was bigger than most old linemen back then. Like, he was huge. And he was mean. Yeah, yeah well, he was a mean mofo. <laughs> mean he even mo- admitted, like, he was like, I, I, I liked hurting people. I liked. <laughs> of course he did. He's like, I actually got, I got off on it. It's like, yeah, you were you, you well, one of those. The youngest of that many kids, man, you better be ready to fight. That's true, too. <laughs> the youngest of that many kids, you definitely know how to fight because you got picked on a lot oh, by man. siblings. You had to fight your way to the dinner table, mm-hmm. man. What do you have for me, Rod? All right, I sent a bunch of these to Cole. So, Cole, just hit me with uh, some audio. Who said that? Reality for Brock Purdy at home. So I still have a roommate, one of the offensive linemen here. So he and I are, you know, still splitting rent. Um, I still drive, you know, my uh, Toyota Sequoia. And other than that, it's, it's reality. So that's Brock I, Purdy. Obviously, know who it is. It's he is he is paid so little, and I say so little because he's the he's the lowest paid quarterback, starting quarterback in the NFL. But the rent in San Francisco is such a high cost of living. He's, he's got a roommate. He's got a roommate. He's making eight hundred and seventy thousand this year, which means California's getting half of that in the U.S. And government. Then, you know the, the rent, in, in, unless he's buying, which he's not. Obviously, uh-uh. the rent in San Francisco is some of the highest rent in the country. Country, along with Austin, by the way, we were some of the highest rent in the country too. But either way, yeah, he got a roommate. He got a roommate, starting quarterback. He might end up winning a Super Bowl. He might be the first Super Bowl winning starting quarterback to have a roommate. A roommate and he a might- Sequoia. <laughs> That is awesome. The used Toyota Sequoia. That is awesome, man. Uh, let me play this for you. You uh, also on that Niners Cowboys game. Who said that? Which one are you referring to, Aaron? The one I just sent you. The, the last one. I got uh, a TikTok for me, and that's that's about all it. All right. Well, who then we'll said that? go ahead and play one of one of Rod's already sent. Oh yeah, just okay. throw it to me. Yeah, I got a bunch of these. Okay. Play one. Who said that? All right. All right. Well, my wife uh, called me last night before she went to bed. She she's said she was worried about me. She said, you get any sleep? I said, yeah, I'm sleeping like a baby. Every two hours I wake up and cry and <laughs> go to the bathroom and try to go back and get some more sleep. Uh, I mean, that's that's unbelievable. I mean, that's just, it's unbelievable. It's But but that's where this league's heading. But, you know, I, but, you know with some of the other scores, the points have been up pretty, pretty high. All right, you can cut it down now. All right, who said that? <laughs> that uh, yeah, he does. Is that like Wink Martindale? That is Wink Martindale thinking about. He's got to play that Miami Dolphins offense. Say, yeah, I'm. A, I sleep like a baby thinking about that offense. Uh, like the baby at my house, the newborn one, which does not sleep. At uh, all. Make it an hour or two in, but uh, does a lot of other stuff like cry, whine, and poop. 
I think yeah, he's the, talking the about Dolphins, that. who were held to 20 last week, are going to be have a mat on. They play the Giants, who, as we said earlier, have three sacks on the whole year. They don't rush the quarterback. Yeah, Wink got to get it together. Yeah, they are bad. Uh, one more. Here's what I was looking for, Rod. Here we go. Set off the way to, to, to uh, attack Parsons is to run right at him. I assume that's easier said than done. Yeah, who said that? Somebody? Various people, various ra- people, analysts, analysts have said that. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, they can, yep, you can run at him. He's a good player. We tried to run at him, and he beats blockers and makes tackles, and you can run away from him. He's going to run really, really fast and catch up to you when you're running away from him. Um, there's a lot of different things you can do. You just have to make sure you account for him like we have every other good player we play against, and he's a great player. These other great players just have to have a plan as to how you're going to deal with them, right? You can't, you can't say every single play you run away, every single play you run at him, that wears itself out as well. There has to be a balance. You have to decide what kind of plays you run at him, what kind of plays you don't run at him, and what how he defends things, what position. He, they move them all over the place, so the position matters too. You think, oh, we're going to run this play at Micah Parsons, take advantage of X, Y, or Z, and then, oh, crap, he's lined up at the three technique, or he's lined up over the center, and you're like, oh, well, that's so much for that plan. So um, you just have to have a well-balanced plan to take care of a great player, and that's what we'll hope to, hope to try to do. It. It's really, really hard because he's a great one. Right. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think it's like the run game coordinator for the 49ers. It is, yep. Chris yeah. Forrester. Chris yeah. Forrester, who's soon to be a head coach in the NFL, you have to think. Uh, well, <laughs> if you associate with the 49ers and Shannon no long enough, you'll get it. Uh, okay, real quick, we got one more here. Uh, we know that uh, Matt Canada has been getting a lot of criticism because his play calling has been atrocious for the Pittsburgh Steelers as the OC. Um, there's a theory now that he has a burner account. And that he actually goes online on Twitter, on social media, to take up for Matt Canada. And the guy that's taking up for Matt Canada is Matt Canada uh, with a burner account. He was asked about it. Here's Matt Canada. Things is that your account? I mean, is have you heard no. about that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. They're showing examples right now of the burner account. They asked him about it. They asked him about it. That is awesome. Yeah. He's being asked about it. He says no. He denies it. All right. Well, uh, we got to get to the timeout, top of the hour. We go to the fabulous fifth quarter coming up. And a very special guest, the guru, radio host out in San Francisco, will join us. The guru. And help us preview Niners-Cowboys. We're also previewing Texas and Oklahoma. We'll have another behind the burn orange curtain coming up. It's uh, a fun Friday, Rod. It's a football Friday. Give it to him. What does that make it? What kind of football Friday is that it? That makes it a uh, freak black feel good. Fake it till you make it. Ric Flair. Woo! State Fair Street Fight Football Friday edition of Hook Em Up with Ian Rodby.